all for the so many things that you've given us. We cannot even begin to count. And so we just, with our hearts full of praise, we come to thank you. Thank you for Jesus' death. Thank you for his burial. Thank you for his resurrection. Thank you for the grace that you have made available unto us. Thank you that in spite of ourselves, you love us anyway. We acknowledge you as the only true and living God. You are kind and merciful beyond even our ability to appreciate the same. We just glorify you. I ask you that you will take my tongue this morning, O oh God, that you will speak in and through me. Let the ears and the hearts of your people receive the spirit of the message. Do in all of our hearts that which only you can do. Increase us on every side as you promised. We receive your blessings and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to go through a few uh, scriptures very quickly. We may return to them or we may not. John 1, 1 through 3. I think I already gave that to you in the back. So if you please just put that on the screen. John chapter 1. Do you have that or not? No? Okay. Everything is working together. That's when you sing that song. All right. Well, I had given them uh, the scriptures in the back to try to just save a little bit of time, but we can go ahead and read it from the Word of God. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Job chapter 23, verse 12. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible ever. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. John 10.10. 10. I just want to go through these scriptures because I'll be referring to them and I don't want to have to pause and go back to them. So just keep them in the back of your mind. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes except the thieves, the thief comes, sorry, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Uh, John chapter 1 and in verse 12. John 1 and 12. And these are scriptures that we're really all very familiar with, so well, hopefully we should be familiar with them. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right... Another version says he gave power. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. 
And just a couple more. First John 2 and 15. First John chapter 2 and verse 15. Pay real attention to this particular scripture. Do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world. It's, it's amazing to me that Jesus summarizes all that is in the world like this. For all that is in the world. What's in the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Is not the Father, is not of the Father but is of the world. Okay, so let's read that one more time. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the last scripture, oh, they're pushing it up now. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians uh, 12 and 9, do you have that? And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If I came in here this morning and I told you that Pastor Bank says that he's no longer going to pastor the church, but now he's going to retire or resign to run for the Senate See how absurd that sounds to you all? But if I did actually come to tell you that, most likely most of us would not believe that to start with, right? But if you even think that I'm saying that, there might be an iota of truth in the thing I'm saying. What would you do with what I've just told you? You would do what? You would go check. Isn't that what most, most of us would do? We'll go check. So, but let me ask you, with who would you check? With who? With Pastor Bank. Oh. We agree? Okay. Because some things just are so absurd that you cannot accept them on face value. I've often wondered, as I look at the creation story, I think about Eve, and I say to myself, wow, you know, what would have happened if Eve never ate that fruit? Whew. I would love to ask you when I see her. But let's go back to the story of creation and check out what actually happened in creation because I found out that Satan really doesn't have that many tricks up his sleeve. You know, like software that is released, all he does every now and then is just change the version, version 1.0, and then he comes to version 2.0, version 3.0, but really honestly, at the end of the, same, at the, end of the day, he's really just switching the same thing around over and over again. What he did with Eve, he's doing with us today. And my hope is that if we understand what he's doing, that peradventure we might be able to catch him at his game before we fall at his trick. Hallelujah. And if you think just because you're born again that you're no longer susceptible to this, you're kidding. He did it with Eve attempted with Jesus, and is doing it today with us. So let's go 
and view or review the temptation and fall of man, which is the subheading that I have in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? So just pause there and consider the way he framed the question. He goes to the woman, he said, Has God indeed said? Another version says, Has God really said? There is such cunningness in the way he framed the question. He didn't go to the woman to say, by the way, what did God say to you? He presumed to know what God said to the woman. Okay? He said, has God really said? And what I want you to really pay attention to is the word, really. Or as another version puts it, indeed. Or yet another version says, Truly, has God truly said? What he does very often is he comes to us and he won't quite tell you what God didn't tell you, but he will make you question it just a little bit. Question it enough to stop believing it. He will make you just doubt it, just put a little bit of question mark on the thing. And the thing about the conversation between you and God is, Many times, God tells you things that just blows your mind. Because he's that kind of God. He's the kind of God that says that you will reap where you didn't sow. So even when I said that to us this morning, you're thinking to yourself, has God really said that we will reap where we didn't sow? Is that really what God said? I promise you that's Satan saying that to you. That's him just making you question it. Just doubt it long enough that you might say, okay, well, what do you think he said? My brother and my sister, permit me to say that the relationship between you and God is not a threesome. I said that to paint a graphic picture so you remember what I just said. It's between you and God. So when he comes to you and asks you, has God really said, Tell none of your doggone business. Amen? Amen? I mean, who are you to come and ask me what God said to me? I'm sitting in the garden in the cool of what? Did you have anything to do with this nice infrastructure where I'm, I mean? Did you have a hand in putting it together? Were you there when God thought of me before he made me and provided me this wonderful infrastructure that he has placed me in? Where were you? I mean, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Honestly, that's what you ought to be asking Satan every now and then. He said, has God really said? And let's see what God really said by Eve's own account. This is the only account we have, by the way. The only account of what we have of what God said to Eve is an account that Eve herself gave us. Amen? So look in Genesis chapter 3, verse 2. Well, let me go back to verse 1 so we can just really read what Satan said to Eve. 
And I, as I'm saying this, I hope you can see the picture because that's what I really want you to do. I want you to go back to the garden and see the picture and then try to put yourself in Eve's place, but also bring it to today. And understand that, like I said, the thief really is doing the same thing. His game is the same. All right? Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Isn't God good? I mean, not only did God say don't eat it. See what God said? He said, don't even touch it. Don't even go near it. If you don't touch it, you couldn't eat it. Amen? I mean, that's how important it was for them not to eat it. God said, you know, don't even touch it. And not only did he tell them not to touch it, he told them why they shouldn't touch it. Don't touch it. Lest you die. So remember the question that Eve brought, sorry, that Satan brought to Eve. Did God really say you should not eat of the tree of the garden? Is that what God said? No, no I'm asking you. By this account and by Eve's own report, is that what God said to Eve? Talk to me, people. That's not what God said to Eve. God didn't say you should not eat of the fruit of the garden. Okay? I mean, are you guys following me here? I just want to be sure that I have, that you're with me. Then the serpent said to the woman, now he changes his game. You really have to understand that. In verse 1, the Bible tells us for a reason. It says, the serpent was more cunning. In other versions said he was the most subtle of all of the animals that were made. So he, he's not very apparent in the way that he questions you. He's not, you know, he doesn't come and appear to you like who he really is. Which is up to no good, son of you know what. <laughs> Amen. Then the serpent said to the woman, changing the game, or you will not surely die. What did you say? You will not. See this guy. Eve said, God said, we shouldn't eat it, we shouldn't touch it, because if we touch it, we will die. He says, you will not. Wait a minute. What is the death that is not so sure? <laughs> what is that? You will die, but not so surely. You will die a little. You will be about 92% dead, but there will still be the 8% of you that is not dead. You will not surely die? What are you talking about? I wish I could go back in time because I need to say, Sister Eve, we need to tell this man to just, just get lost. Yes, already. Send this old slew food where he came from already. What are you talking about? We'll not surely die. But you know what? In a sense, it was right. Because they died, but didn't die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God and you will know good and evil. What? 
in the day we eat of it? You mean like today? So if I eat of the fruit today, I will get results today? You know the story, and she proceeded to eat of the fruit, and she died. Gave it to her husband who also ate it, and they died, both of them. Amen? What I really want to show you is that this guy called Satan has not changed his trick from that day till today. So fast forward, if you will. Jesus Christ has just come from Galilee to be baptized by John the Baptist. All right? And God has just said to John, sorry, to Jesus Christ, after he's been baptized, God said to him, a voice came from heaven, and God said to Jesus Christ, announce to the whole world, you are my beloved son. I am pleased with you. And what I find that Satan does all the time is that it is when God gives you a promise, is when God is getting ready to promote you, is when God is getting ready to announce you to the world. Usually that's when he comes. And then he asks you, do you really think that that promotion is really for you? Do you think that you really qualify for it? Questioning your very identity. Are you really worthy of that thing that you're not worthy of it? Why do you think you should get it? Jesus Christ just came from being affirmed by his own father. Not only he, but everybody has heard it. Right? Luke chapter 4. Look at what this guy did. I'm just trying to prove to you that he is, he really hasn't changed much since that time, even till now. Because in Luke chapter 4, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, look at this guy. You know what he said to Jesus? Did God really say you are the son of God? Just put a little bit of question on the thing. Has God really said you are the son of God? He says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, Yeah, prove it to me. If you are the son of God, as you're sitting there and God has given you a promise, maybe it's taken a long time. It's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. It's been 30 years. And you are saying, God, where is this promise? When will it be my time to be revealed, to be shown, to be, to, to be, to be announced to the world? Don't buy into the lie of Satan. Stand firm in the place you're in. There is no other way, really. And if you don't believe, well, just keep saying it to yourself until it becomes real to you. That's how you overcome. I am an overcome. I'm, I'm an overcomer in Christ Jesus, in Jesus' name. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Jesus' name. I am the one that God loves. I'm the one for whom God sent his son to die. I am worthy to receive all of the blessings of God. 
The blessings of God accrue to me. I am favored by God. If you say long enough to yourself, you start walking in that truth. Don't give in to those subtleties. Because if he brings the big lie, you won't fall for that. So he questions it a little bit. If you are the son of God, he says to Jesus Christ, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now remember, he's been fasting 40 days, right? So he's hungry. Command this stone to become bread. Well, glory to Jesus. The second Adam. Not like the first one. Woo! He said, I know your trick. <laughs> he said, I know where you're going with this one. Once bitten, how did Jesus respond? It is written. So like Pastor IBK said earlier on, when you're not sure what he said to you, go back to the one who said it to you. Go back to him and ask him, clarify for me, God. If Satan is asking you, did God really promise you? Why you go back to God and God, you know, I, I'm, I'm having a little bit. It's okay. You remember the man said to Jesus Christ, he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sometimes our problem is that we're not, we're not, we're not transparently honest enough, even with ourselves. If you're having doubt, it's okay, take that to God too. God, I'm really struggling with this thing. This sounds to me too good to be true. You know what that man said in prayer today? You know when pastor lay hands on me and prophesied on me? I'm not able to receive that. Take it to God. Let him reassure you. Tell him, God, you make this known to me. You make it real to me. You make it flesh to me. He will do it. Don't sweep it under the carpet. Jesus said, well, let's go find out what's written. He didn't presume to just say, well, let's have a dialogue about that. So why do you think that uh, I need to do that to be the son of God? No, 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 no. He said, well, I'm going to assume that you don't know. I'm going to assume that you're ignorant. You know, I'm going to assume that you're a moron. I'm going to assume that you're <laughs> uneducated in the things of God. So let me take you back to that which is written. And watch the progression of Satan. Watch how he does this. Verse 4. But Jesus answered him saying, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Satan goes, one down, two to go. You got me there. Okay, let's go. Verse 5. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said to him, watch this again. All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, all will be yours. I think I jumped something. Did I jump? No, no, I didn't jump. Okay. He says, therefore, if you worship me, all will be yours. Jesus, I must have jumped. 
No, okay, I haven't jumped. Okay. Then Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Again, let's go back and see what's written. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Two down, one to go. Satan said, okay, I'm going to try one more time. See if I can get you this time. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, see, again, if you are the son of God, please be mindful. Remember that Jesus Christ was only just affirmed by God as the son of God, questioning the very identity of Jesus Christ. When I honestly, when I consider the goodness of God in my life, I'm talking for myself, I'm testifying now. I am just amazed as to why and how. I, I, I say, like David, why are you this mindful of me? Why do you pay this much attention to me? In 1 Peter, I think in chapter 2 uh, or so, the Bible describes how. This day was going to be such an awesome day that the angels were looking to be able to peek into the day and into the dispensation that we're in today. And I know that the awesomeness of the goodness of God upon our lives is so big, is so huge that sometimes your mind refuses to allow itself to believe it. And so because your mind will not believe it, you find a way to persuade yourself that it's not true. And if you begin to do that, you're done. You finish. He's already won. He says to Jesus, he takes, he takes him to this pinnacle. And he stood him there and he said, if you are the son of God. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. But now check how he ends this one. Oh, you know what's written, Jesus. Okay, I see you keep coming back to me with what's written. So let me tell you, it's also written. Isn't that amazing how this guy is? Let me ask you, this is what I really want you to ponder and to think about. What is so beautiful about you that Satan is so compelled to wanting to bring you down? There's got to be something about you, my brother and my sister. There has to be glory about you. If he's pursuing you this badly, if he refuses this much to give up on you, it's got to be that there's something incredible about your destiny. It has to be that the thought of God toward you, as he said, has to be so good that he says, no eye has seen. You know what that means? When God says, no eye has seen, no ears has heard, and he has yet to enter into the hearts of man what God has prepared for those who love him who are called according to his purpose. For me, this is what it means. Everything your eyes have seen is outside that equation. So if your eye has seen a good car, that's not even inside it. If your heart has dreamed of a big house, Outside of it, oh, there's something good about you. There's something incredible about you. There's something 
awesome about you. That the creator of the heavens and the earth says, in that day and in that time, this scripture is in Isaiah, I'm trying to remember exactly what it is. He says, even before you say it, I will answer you. Do you believe that? No, don't, don't be so quick to say yes. That's the problem with us. We pay mental accent to it. You know he's God and that he will not lie. But do you truly believe that if you are in very dire situation, in a really bad situation, and you say, God, you said that before I say it, you will answer me. So you know the thought of my heart right now. I need $100,000 now. See, we're laughing. That's the point. He's that good, my sister. He is that good. We have no problem believing that God is powerful. No, we don't have that problem. Our problem is believing that he is, in fact, willing to do for us what he says that he will do. Listen, if you are tweeting, you can tweet what I'm about to say now. I wrote it down. I want to say it the way I wrote it down. When it came to me, I liked it. So I wrote it down. Let me just give it to you the way I wrote it down. Hallelujah. Has God really said? Yep. Whatever distracts you will eventually own you. Amen? Look, don't, you know, baseball players, they don't take a pitch at every ball that's thrown their way. Sometimes what Satan is doing is just distracting you. So you will not pay attention to the things that are really important. Bringing all the, the, do you really think that your daddy really loves you? Do you really think that your husband really, really likes you? Do you think that your wife really likes you? We have all these questions that are going on in our minds all day long, distracting us from focusing on this good God. Just say to yourself, I am the one that God loves. Go find out what's written. Make confession about yourself. Say it under, the, under your breath. All day long. If you say that all day long, you will leave you alone. After a while. Because that's what happened to Jesus Christ here. Luke chapter 4 verse 9 as we begin to wrap up. Then he brought Jesus to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. You know, it is actually written, so he's not misquoting the Bible. It is actually so written. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you, shall dash, lest you dash your foot against a stone. 
Jesus answered with a double whammy, one time answer for time and eternity. That ought to be your answer, ought to be my answer every single day. It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Amen. Amen. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, you remember what Jesus Christ says? He says that for all that there is in the world, what's all that there is in the world again? You all remember? The loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three common areas in which Satan is going to come at you. So as we wrap this up, so let's go back to the garden. He goes to Eve and he says, has God really said? And Eve, being tempted in these three areas, let me show them to you. So, verse 6 of chapter 3. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and desirable to make one wise. Listen, I promise you, this guy doesn't have that many tricks up his sleeve. That's what I'm trying to say to you today. What he did in the beginning, he's doing today. He did to Jesus. He's trying to do to you and I. You better watch out in these three areas. If you take nothing else from what I've just said to you, the loss of the eyes is not everything that your eyes see that you have to ha have. I hear the men say amen. I, I didn't hear the woman say amen. <laughs> not everything that your eyes see that you should possess. Amen? And it's not every food that you should eat either. I hear the women say amen there. I didn't hear the men say amen there. They lost the eyes. They lost the flesh. And do you know who I am? Look, all Sydney is doing is selling you a bill of goods that he's selling you what already belongs to you. I know who I am. I am the one whom Jesus loved. I'm the one for who Christ died. I am that worthy. I am that beautiful. I am that marvelous. Maybe not in your eyes, but in the eyes of my father. God loves me. I know it to be true. God desires for me an end that only he can bring to pass. God has written my name in the Lamb's book of life. It is well with me. God has healed me. I am whole. It doesn't matter what's going on. I am not moved by the things that I see. No, I acknowledge them, but they're not the things that move me. I am moved by that which is written. And my end is in the hand of God. And everything he said about me, I believe, I embrace, I accept, and I thank him for it. That ought to be our everyday approach to life.
when you wake up in the morning, fill your heart with the goodness of God. Don't step out of the house until you are confident and sure. Because the thief's job is to come to steal. Steal what? Steal your confidence. And to kill. Kill what? Kill your joy. Destroy. Destroy what? Destroy your identity. Don't leave the house until you are confident. Say the words to yourself until you're beginning to feel like, wait a minute. I must be all of that. And some step out of the house with the boldness and the confidence, not because you are proud, but just because you are saying what God has already said about you. And as you begin to live in that space, the love of God will spring forth like well in your heart. And as you are walking into people's heart, because the love of God is now filled your heart, you can give it. Because you can't give what you don't have. When you leave your house depleted in the morning, that's why you got nothing to give. Don't accept the lie of the devil. His job is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's, he's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to take away your confidence. Has God really said that you are the son of God? Has God really said that you're worthy? Has God really said that he will heal your body? Don't you see what's going on? Don't you see what's going on in the world? You haven't heard of Ebola? Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? I am the one for who Jesus died. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Say to him, say, did, God, did Jesus die for you? Get out of my sight. He died for me. Woo. I'm worthy. I'm beautiful. I am made in the image and the likeness of God himself. God is my father. The owner of the cattle upon the thousand hill is my God. I come boldly before the throne of grace. There is mercy available for me. Plenty of grace. In closing, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's what he says to Paul. But look how it works. This is the operation of grace. He says, in weakness, that's how you find strength. Look, if you go before a doctor because you're sick and you're jumping and, you, and they want to do surgery, and you can't, the man can't do anything. That's why they put you to sleep before he does his work. Because for so long as you're struggling and fighting, you see God's strength. You may have strength, it's just not enough to face what's going on. So God says, you come weak. We can't both be strong. If you're strong, I cannot be strong. If you're weak, I can be strong. So my strength is in your weakness. You come to me weak. You come to me lowly. You come to me humble. You come to me with nothing. I will fill you up. I will glorify you. I will justify you. I will beautify you. Like a streaking sun, I will come into your life 
and turn all of it around for your good. Hallelujah. That's the promise of God. I know it may be midnight hour for some of us. And God is saying, acknowledge it. Come before God. God says, listen, it's too dark for me, God. It's overwhelming me. Come in your smallness. Come in your weakness. Come in your infirmity. And watch God stepping into your life. And take over. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just stand to your feet. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What key are you playing in? Can you play? Can you play? Can you play? I can't hear you. Can you play? I want to hear the key you're playing in. Thank you, Jesus. This is my desire to honor Lord with all my heart. Lord with all my heart. I worship I worship All I have within me All I have within me. I give you praise I give Yes, 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 Jesus All that I adore is in you in you Lord I give you my heart I give you my soul I live for you alone every breath that I take Every moment I'm away, have your way, Lord, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I sufficient God there is nothing pleasurable outside of your presence Whew. oh that our eyes and our hearts and our souls and our minds will comprehend that which you have prepared for us 
Not because we love you, but because you first loved us. For while we were sinners, that's when you sent your son. Not because we promised to even embrace him, because the Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. But to us who have received him, oh God, we thank you this morning that you've given us power. You've given us rights to be the sons of God. We declare that we are the sons of God. We have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. We are redeemed. Thank you, Lord God, that you have written our names in the Lamb, in the, in the, in the, in the book of life. Thank you that you are no longer angry with us. Thank you that we can boldly approach your throne. Oh, thank you that you hear us. Before we pray, oh God, you already hear us. Thank you that you prepare the table in the presence of our enemies. Thank you that our cups are running over, oh God. Thank you that you have made all grace abound towards us in Jesus' name. Thank you, oh God, that you have surrounded us with goodness and with loving kindness. Thank you for your favor that is speaking in our behalf. Every waking moment. If we had a thousand tongues, it would not be sufficient to praise you. Thank you, Lord God. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way, way, oh God. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, oh God. Be glorified. In my life, be glorified. Be magnified. Jesus, you increase. I willingly, deliberately decrease. I honor you and praise you in Jesus' name. Give God a clap of you. Amen.